Alright, the tape is rolling, the light is on, and you're in the two-man booth with Nick Good. Neil Cochran. And we are your podcast, or co-host to the podcast, where we talk about uh, movies, Hollywood, times, <laughs> once upon a times in those Hollywoods, because that is what we're talking about today. We're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. Um, we This is our second of instant reactions. Uh, you can... Although it's about a week past now, you can listen to our Lion King instant reaction. Uh, I think it's fair to say, Neil, that this one will probably be a bit more of a positive podcast. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah, this was a—it almost felt like a different Tarantino film. So, but a couple, I was going to say, initial thoughts. Go. My initial thoughts: um, way less violence. <laughs> yeah, um, still all about dialogue. Definitely. I mean, it's mostly just about the relationships that people have with each other. Again. Mainly Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Uh, Cliff Booth and Cliff Rick fucking Dalton. Dalton. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, just sort of, I would say, um, watching it again, I felt like I was watching almost like a conglomeration, I guess, of sort of Tarantino's past films. There was definitely a lot of influence on films mm-hmm. he's done before, what influences him in general as a filmmaker. Um, and yeah, I thought it was... I guess I would almost say that in this point, the violence was like random almost, <laughs> like or felt like it. Mm-hmm. But I think he did that on purpose because mm-hmm. there was absolutely nothing. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden there was like a five minute window where you're like, oh yeah, this is Tarantino again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, but I thought that not was kind of clever. Like a two minute window. Maybe two maybe, minutes. Yeah. yeah. It was, and it was not maybe what you expect, um, how the violence is going to go. So, so I guess it's fair to say you liked the movie. Yeah. I thought it was, I had a good time. I, it was one of those films that, is it going to be like my favorite film? Like, no, but I, I, I appreciated the sort of almost the, like, as you say, sometimes look into the podcast studio. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of cool. It was almost like a behind the scenes of like filmmaking Very in the so. golden age of Hollywood. Um, his, his twist on it, of course, but it, it was very, uh, of making Westerns, mm-hmm. of making spaghetti Westerns, all that kind of stuff. And maybe the influence it had on Hollywood. He, he really touches that. Well, really that, well. and that was the big thing that I, picked up on watching it is he's infusing for the first time the three things that he loves the most so we've gotten westerns out of him with the hateful eight and django and chained we've gotten la movies which is like are his first three movies mm-hmm. reservoir dogs pulp fiction uh jackie brown and then uh golden age hollywood which he's we've kind of gotten in inglorious bastards where there's a you know there's an ode to the cinema scene there it's a very a big part of the plot mm-hmm. to kill the ss it's right um the gustapo um and this is this movie really infused all of those things even like you, you well, mentioned some, too, some, some world war, war ii war stuff as well yeah so like, like but, that. but mainly la golden age hollywood and westerns yeah. and you got it all even I, I especially thought that like it this when he initially i remember reading a thing where he said this is the closest he's gotten back to Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people thought maybe in this sort of weird, um, really. When you think about Pulp Fiction, it's really uh, although there are some slower moments, and there's a lot of like high energy parts. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's the overdose scene, there's the part with Butch and uh, uh, Marcellus Wallace and Zed and the Gimp, and even in the even in the diner and stuff like that. There's a lot of high tension scenes. This one, this movie had some high tension scenes, but not as much. 
But I think when he meant more about Pulp Fiction, it's these concurrent storylines. Like you have this part at the start where it was it was interesting that he hasn't done with other movies where it's it's sort of other stories are going on and then at the end they kind of come together where this one kind of almost went like an ellipsis yeah where it was like you know cliff and uh rick dalton are together at the start you see sharon tate margot robbie and roman polanski and so there's sort of that mingling there they all diverge and you know there's a cool part where they go to polanski and tate go to the uh the playboy mansion mm-hmm. and and then Cliff drops uh, Leo off at, or Cliff drops uh, Dalton, Luke, Rick, Rick, Rick not Luke Dalton, <laughs> Rick Dalton off at the uh, at the lot from to shoot his his movie, and then so they all break apart for a bit. He ends up going. Cliff goes to the the Manson family ranch. There's some tension scenes there. We'll get back to that, and then they all come back together at the end. Mm-hmm. And I thought those were interesting because, and I was thinking that you have all three of the quote-unquote main characters you can argue that sharon tate isn't margot mm-hmm. robbie is not a huge part of this movie she's important for sure um because she drives the tension throughout it yeah she's moving a plot where that you, you think where is you gonna think go where, one way yes yeah, so where you think it's going somewhere yeah. and they did a good job with that where and I, you know i don't know if you thought the same thing but when they show her going to the, her film premiere and she's picking up the book like she's just portrayed as this like beautiful sort of naive but like high on life yeah. young woman yeah she's the golden age of hollywood person and you feel it's building this like bright tra- blonde hair and you feel like it's building to this tragedy mm-hmm. where and he did it like that's exactly what he was doing he's yes. he's giving her so much screen time near the start and in the middle because you're like mm-hmm. you want to get to know how cute and innocent and uh you know lovely this person is yeah only for you to know what's going to happen. You know, he puts those dates in there. Like he puts in August 29th, I want to say 1969, you know, mm-hmm. the day of the murders, you see her with the Sharon Tate with the pregnant belly. Roman Polanski's out of town. You're like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, it's building up to some, like, mm-hmm. you know, almost like the red wedding where you get like the <laughs> stabbing of the, of the stomach and stuff like that. And, you know, there was a lot of trepidation going into this movie with people saying like, how's, how's he going to, how's he going to handle, how's he going to handle these Manson murders? And, she subverts it completely. <laughs> he completely subverts it, and uh, I, I appreciate it a lot. I mm-hmm. thought it was I thought it was amazing, actually, yeah. because by the time you get to the ninth film and you're known for something, mm-hmm. known for a certain style and aesthetic, um, you can play with people's expectations sure. on that. I think Hateful Eight leaned fully into it, while this one played with what we were expecting for sure. Yeah, when he. Like even it, even pointing back to what you were saying mm-hmm. about the high energy, big you know, big set pieces where there's a lot happening in a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was just more of this like somber look at the people on sort of trying to reach their potential yeah. somewhere about being an actor and sort of how your imagination can inter- intertwine with that in a way that you kind of lose a sense of who you are or mm-hmm. what you're trying to accomplish. And I thought it was it was really interesting that it was just him and Brad Pitt kind of being almost opposites in that Leo's so focused on, or sorry, Rick, Rick fucking Dalton yeah. is so like focused on trying to be this serious actor and he doesn't want to just be the guy known for, uh, what's the, what am I? Oh, Bounty, uh, Bounty Law. Law. Bounty Law. You know, and he wants to be more than just a television actor or the, um, what do they call the villain there? The, the big or the large, whatever it's, I can't remember when he's the villain of a show. Or oh, H- uh, FBI. Yeah. But when, they have a name that he's playing there. Anyway, it's basically him just being the non-lead and the villain in the part. And that's 
that Al Pacino conversation is kind of cool. Oh, you're talking about on the set of Lancer? Yeah. Oh, he plays uh, Caleb. He thinks it's Dakota, but Dak- it's Delarook or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And but there's like the lead actor comes up to me. He's like, "Oh, I appreciate you being the whatever in this. I can't remember what the played name. by Timothy Elephant. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just I thought it was it was interesting that he's just battling who he wants to be and who he's who he has been and who he wants to be moving forward. And you know, just but with the backdrop being, of course, Los Angeles and sort of Hollywood. So. See, I didn't get that sense out of Rick Dalton. I thought I th- I. F- Felt that he didn't ever care about being a big actor. He always wanted to stay as the title, as the lead guy, and he was struggling with having to take well, a backseat I mean. like, to he, that. He he had done it one time, and so like that's where the potential of him. Mm. I think he's reaching out to want to be that. Yes, yeah. maybe that's what I was trying to say. Is that he's he's trying to stay there, which is very correct, but he's having a hard time doing yeah. it. Right, and then Cliff's just kind of there supporting him right as you called him the hype man yeah you know you remember you're rick fucking dalton yeah I, I was saying to neil when we were heading over to the studio from the theater that i like to think of brad pitt and leo dicaprio actually hanging out like they do in this movie where they're just sitting around like just the two of them like that yeah, i have a six-pack that we order some pizza watch fbi together yeah. <laughs> and then uh yeah and there's rick shows up drunk he's in pretty bad shape and he just, and Brad Pitt just looks at him and goes, Cliff Booth looks at him and goes, hey, just remember, you're Cliff fucking Dalton. And I just, I, I want somebody, I want Brad Pitt in my life saying that to me. Hey, you're Nick fucking good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, okay, I guess we'll, let's move and talk about like individual performances. Sure. Uh, Margot Robbie, again, doesn't, she doesn't do too much no. here, um, but she plays the part well. Yes. She's not. I can see why Tarantino cast her. Mm-hmm. It's It would be that very classic um, beauty that you think of from maybe the 60s mm-hmm. going into the 70s mm-hmm. like coming just out of the golden age of Hollywood and there's still those those beautiful blondes um, that would have been in high demand at the time yeah. right so um, I, I like what I kind of liked about her character is that she did they he did a good job without a lot of dialogue for her that you kind of did get the sense that she's yeah. just this like really nice genuine girl that mm-hmm. is excited that people are happy what she's you doing on the screen you know, and even at the end, you know, when, but well, I won't say too much about the end yet, actually, but. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, even when she hugs Rick Dalton, I well, just. Well, even in the scene when uh, she's going into the theater and the ticket taker doesn't even know who she is. Yeah. And then like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was in the Valley of the Dolls and I'm in this movie. And then she, she said, can I take a picture? And she's standing right in front of the marquee. <laughs> and she goes, can you stand next to the posters? So people actually know who you are. And she just goes. Okay. Yeah. Like you know, you just she's just she's just like you said, excited to finally be have her name in a movie, On and a she poster. goes in by herself, watches the movie just to get the sense of the reaction people are getting to her scenes. Yeah. She's the klutz in the movie, so mm-hmm. she's the comedy, the comedy comedic relief, I should say. Yeah. But then she's still like. But then she's a badass at the end. Yes. You know, a little nod to like like I had said to you to the bride, I think, in Kill Bill for sure. They get a training scene with Bruce Lee. We'll get to more Bruce Lee in a sec. Yeah. But uh, no, and it was, she did a very good job where just at the face acting where she's in there, just she's trying to pick up on the laugh. She feels so good about herself. And then mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of it, really. Yeah, that's pretty much her. her the ran- ran- what did you think about the random? Uh, there's a lot of random appearances here. We've got Scoot McNary playing <laughs> just a random guy who gets gunned down in a movie. Yeah. Or uh, in the TV show. In the TV it? show. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you what about the random Damien Lewis appearance at the Playboy Mansion where he's telling, basically telling the audience the whole love triangle that's going yeah, on. Yeah, he's Scott McQueen? Yeah, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. But it was just, 
Yeah. This is right. You mentioned it to me. I didn't even notice it. Samuel Jackson just sitting at a table. Yeah. Part of the, when they're filming the, um, Lancer. Yeah. Lancer, the TV show. Uh, when they enter the saloon, sure enough, it's, it looks like right out of hatefully, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is sitting mm-hmm. there. I'll confirm that it was him, but I, no, what? I'll take your word for it. I just didn't yeah. notice it. I okay. didn't notice it at all. That's why that, I, I had a good chuckle at it. Cause I was like, Oh, oh we got Al Pacino at the start playing this, Exec, this movie executive basically trying to save Rick Dalton's career by yeah. the by the sort of to, uh, feeling we get from their meeting, basically telling him the whole deal that oh you, now you went from being this leading man to now you're playing the bad guy who the the new guy basically to use a wrestling term you know goes over on you you're doing the you're doing the job the job to the new to the new up and coming kid and. Uh, that's an old network trick of basically shuffling you out, making the new guy look good. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's like, you know, people look at your face after a while psychologically. It's, you know, the new guy get, getting over on Luke Dalton. Or fuck, why well, I keep saying Luke Dalton? Who's Luke Dalton? I don't know. Rick Dalton. <laughs> Rick Dalton. And uh, he, uh, yeah, so he, he's good. I mean, again, it's a bit of a different Pacino performance. He's just kind of funny in it. And that, that start was really good too, where it had a bunch of just, interjections of sort of like flashbacks almost yep. like different him of being in different movies on different sets. You get like the cliff flashback of him. The reason why he can't get a job as a stuntman anymore. Cause basically everyone thinks that he killed his wife <laughs> and he beat, we'll get, now we'll get to cliff. He beat the shit out of Bruce Lee on set <laughs> damaged. Oh, Zoe bell who makes another appearance. Right. She plays, uh, I don't remember her name. Sharon. No, no, it won't I'll be Sharon. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so no, yeah, so Cliff, uh, Brad Pitt, we'll get to him, I guess. Um, Janet. Janet, yeah. Randy's wife. Randy's wife. <laughs> um, yeah, he throws Bruce Lee into her car and damages it. Yeah, uh, well, it's funny because that's a that was one of the funnier parts of the film was when uh, Bruce Lee says that he could beat Cassius Clay essentially. Yeah, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, and he and he laughs. Cliff laughs, and Bruce Lee, you know, asks him, "I didn't say anything funny. Why are you real, laughing?" Real, real Aldo Rain vibes in that For scene sure. too. Yeah, he's just a badass. Well, just just sort of like I don't want I don't want to cause nothing. <laughs> you know, you don't really yeah. get the sense. At one point, they mentioned that uh, Rick is from Missouri, mm-hmm. but you don't ever. I don't think they ever really say where uh, Cliff's from. But he has a, that you know that standard sort of southern drawl for sure. I don't want to start nothing, and then yeah, which I mean, I thought about it. You know, basically, you have this stuntman beating the shit out of Bruce Lee. Yeah, um, Tarantino like uh, is a. Like is a fan of Bruce Lee, you know yes. the bride in Kill Bill is basically an homage to Kiss of Death. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of funny that he would do that. Yeah, but that was really well done. That was really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, again, like Bruce Lee at the time was huge. So yeah. I think weaving Bruce Lee sort of through the storyline, like at one point he's with Sharon Tate, at one point he's with Cliff. Mm-hmm. He's he kind of makes these little appearances throughout the film, which mm-hmm. I thought again was really really well done because he would have been such a major player in Hollywood at the time. Mm-hmm. Right? So well, again, it's. Yeah, it's Tarantino paying homage to all the things that he loves, all his influences. For sure. He still gets like to be able to put some karate in the film, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's him and Cliff like doing a little showdown. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah. at one, even at one point when they were showing her, Sharon Tate, training with him, I thought maybe that's they were going to weave that into the, the last scene mm. with the murderers, that she, she was going to like utilize some of those moves because <laughs> I thought they kind of built that really well. But yeah. they used that scene to show you that cliff could 
you know, fuck people up. Yeah. <laughs> when he grabs that knife, like <laughs> throws that can in her face, like Oh, the can in the face was funny. Oh man, like there's that that probably got one of the bigger laughs during the yeah. movie for sure. Because it is funny. Like he just yeah. whips it at her face. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, he even that scene he's he's tripping out on acid and you just kinda <laughs> An acid dip cigarette. Yeah. yeah. It was bought from a hippie and then oh yeah, man, hippies hippies definitely get buried in this movie. For sure. Hippies. Actually that might have been one of the bigger laughs too, where uh at the end when uh when Rick comes out to the car. But we'll get to that too. Um or sorry, when I, yeah, when Rick goes out to the car to, to tell him to get the fuck, fuck. off the private private street. <laughs> but uh yeah, anything else you want to say about Brad Pitt's performance? Well, well, let's maybe touch on the ranch scene where yeah. you kind of get the. So, they go to, so it's really the only part of the film that touches on like the Mansons, right? Other than the end. Other than the end, and I guess when he comes up there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was surprised that Charles Manson's only in one scene. One scene, and it doesn't really say much. Just kind of establishes that he's scoping the place out. Yeah. He's a creeper. Yeah. He's just yeah. like he's there. He's looking for somebody else, but it's not. He's looking. Not he's looking for the, the Wilson brothers, so from the Beach Boys. Yeah. So the whole story with with Manson is he wanted to become a rock star, right? Mm-hmm. He was staying with Brian Wilson at that house, and they basically promised him a record deal. Oh, okay. And it never came to fruition. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of why he holds a grudge there. The reason, a reason why they say the Wilsons moved out of that house is he left like a dead bird on there. Oh, okay. He kept leaving like sort of like threats. Sure. And stuff. Oh, okay. So then he um, goes back looking for him, and they're not there. Mm-hmm. And that's the only clip we get of him. Which and is... that's why he's like, "Oh, they moved out. Fuck!" Like, because he's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, he's supposed to be getting his big break from them. And there's rumors too that he helped write them, help help them write some songs and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that's the backstory there. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And then and then yeah, Rick Rick Booth goes to the ranch because he picks up a hippie. Mm-hmm. Another pussy pretty, cat. Yeah, that's right, pussy cat. Another funny scene though is because. When he when he says, you know, the law's been trying to get me for a long time. I'm not about to go to jail for some poontang. She's trying to, yeah. He's she's, he's convinced she's underage. He's she's she's putting the moves on. He's not having any of it. Yeah. He, and again, he's 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 doing it because he wants to like tickle her fancy a little bit. Like he, mm. you know, he wants the attention. He's bored. Yeah, he's bored. He's exactly. bored. He's got nothing to do. He's fixing a roof. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's bored. Well, that's what I was gonna say. He's just driving around L.A. because he's waiting for mm-hmm. Rick to finish on set mm-hmm. and so yeah you're right he's just bored i think he's like ah oh, whatever i got this cute girl i'm just gonna take her back to the ranch mm-hmm. keeps then, running into her right he's, yes he's he's turned her down a couple times she's she keeps seeing her hitch on rodeo drive he yeah. met, or uh no not rodeo drive um one of one some street in la we're not la guys yeah exactly. but uh yeah he uh yeah so he's run into her a couple times and finally he caves like yeah. all right i'll drive so then they there. go to the ranch and which i thought was a really well done scene mm-hmm. this is where we're talking about this sub- is where it's really western yes and like subverting expectations because yes. you there's tension being built uh, throughout the whole thing the music's done really well the shots of it just he feels like he's on an island yeah. like alone like he's every surrounded time. by all these yes fam- men and family members exactly so like lots of women and these kind of like really weird dudes mm-hmm. and he's always really separated from them though in the shots i thought it was really well done and when he come finally goes up to george's house and that picture of him just at the front door with like yeah 20 you people behind him, yeah. i was like they're all just watching him like mm-hmm. and you're expecting like george to be dead i mean almost right yeah. isn't that what something like that or something like that or he, yeah he's gonna walk in george is dead or yeah and then they all attack him and exactly and you know and we talked about it because you it's that feeling of well one of these guys is probably going to die halfway through the movie tarantino yeah. loves to do that you know sure. kill off a main character halfway through that and that's sort of what is usually what gets the main action going yes you have a build up to that and then 
some big like you think of Inglorious Bastards with the basement shootout. Exactly. You think of Django where um, where Calvin Candy gets killed, right? And uh, the bounty hunter. Yeah, and uh, uh, whatever. Why am I? Okay. Christoph Waltz. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking no. on his name. But. Um, so yeah, so you you think this might be that scene mm-hmm. when it would make sense? He's like you said, he's isolated, and then he gets the guy. He starts beating the shit out of the one guy. Gets him to fix his car. Tex is riding in on that, and that was a per, like that was a beautiful scene where he's yeah. riding the horse back to back to their little town, back mm-hmm. to the farm. And then right when he gets there, he cuts away, and you see the car rolling out of there. So it's like, oh, he got away. Yeah. So, but but then it's like, okay, that's going to come back to to haunt him, and it for sure. It never really does. Um, the one thing I'll say too. Okay, I, no, let's let's jump over to uh, Leo. I guess okay. unless there's anything else sure. you want to say about. No, no. Brad Pitt. So then I thought that was a good. We'll, I thought we'll, he was funny. We'll save the end for later. Sure. Talking about Cliff like I said, I thought he was really funny. I thought uh, he, there was definitely hints of the Aldo Rain the whole time too. I was watching him. Same thing with the, with the Inglorious Bastards. He's made to be in the Tarantino type movie for sure. He's got that little bit of camp, but it's just like. Mm-hmm. Like a lazy, like not a laziness, but it's like sort of just a, uh, a aloof sort of acting style, sure. where you just feel like he's <laughs> just being snarky. Yeah. Well, even like the the one lie where they're like, "You're too, too handsome, really handsome for a stunt man." He's like, so, ah, "They've been telling so, me that." Yeah. So I've been told. So that's basically, I think, sort of a nod to the whole idea that uh, you know. Brad Pitt's a character actor. He's mm-hmm. probably not. He probably shouldn't be a lead actor. He's better as a character actor, but he's too good looking to be a character actor. So that's why he's always had these lead lead acting roles. Sure. So maybe that's a little homage or yeah. a little shot at that. Well, and again, I thought it was funny. Like where Tarantino was leading you, he always thought something else would happen. So he's on the roof. He takes his shirt off. Right. It's kind of showing how good a shape he's in. And Sharon Tate's right beside him. Um, listening to music. Listening to music, and you think like maybe she's gonna see him on the roof, but she doesn't. Like that's totally not what happens in that scene. Yeah. But it felt like he was setting so- up something else, but then he yeah. goes a different direction. So yeah, we'll get to the the beefcake shot and stuff. Sure. Because I want to talk about that more when we talk about Tarantino specifically. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Leo. Um, I think it's Rick gonna Dalton. Rick Dalton. Rick fucking Dalton. So <laughs> yeah, the the fading star. I, I just love that. Well, it's official. It's official, buddy. I'm a has-been. I'm a has-been. I love that. He just gets out of the bar, lights his cigarette, just is crying, just yeah. collapses into his arms. Yeah. I'll put your glasses on. Don't see you crying. <laughs> Don't cry in front of Mexicans. <laughs> in front of the uh, the valets. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I said to you coming out of it, I got to think about it a little bit more, but it might be one of Leo's best performances. Mm-hmm. Because the other ones that we've talked about, we did our Leo podcast, he's got, you know, that rage, that anger, Calvin Candy's just so evil. Like it's just such a, a break away from who you're used to him being. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what is some of the other ones we talked about? Um, oh, uh, Revolutionary Road, Road, where he's yeah. just you know angry and kind of a slam ball. Like this movie, he's like you feel him falling apart. Yeah, like you feel like he he feels like a loser, and you kind of feel it too. Yeah, even though like you get that great part at the start too, where. You know, Cliff hasn't, you know, he's like, I haven't worked in a, in a while. And, you know, so going over to Italy to make a film doesn't so, sound so bad to me. And then you, you know, Rick's all down on his luck. He still goes into his mansion, <laughs> is, is in his bathroom, making himself uh, whiskey sours, running lines in his pool while Cliff goes back to his little shitty trailer with yeah. his dog kind of thing and eating mac, uh, yeah. craft dinner. Craft dinner. It Good. was actually yeah. craft dinner. I was yeah. like, oh, that's amazing. Craft mac- macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Um, so like even though Rick isn't you know 
relative to the rest of us isn't that much of a loser you just feel like he feels his place his his uh his role in hollywood and his, you know his own uh i guess existence is fading mm-hmm. and you feel that throughout it and you get and i said it to you before you get him he's an actor playing an actor who has to act like there's <laughs> a lot of levels going on here and you're there's a couple scenes where he f- does his little freakouts you know he punches the dashboard when he first Gets out of that bar like we were talking about. It feels like it has been. Mm -hmm. He freaks out when he can't remember his lines. Um, Yeah, that was actually kind of funny though. (laughs) Yeah, and but that's just it. Like you never got the like real. Even when he's playing basically Calvin Candy in the movie. Yeah, and he does have that very like strong acting scene. You don't. It's not the same because you know it's a movie. There's so many things that are playing off each other here that are so interesting. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I thought he was great. And I don't know if you noticed either, but when he's Rick, he stutters. He stutters a lot, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He gets he, I don't know, he's nervous or he just stutters, but then when he's acting, he loses it kind of thing, oh, right? Oh, okay. And that was, um, it's, again, one of those, you know, an, an, a nod to performance where it's like you get into a scene and you just lose who you are and you become that other person. Mm-hmm. Even when he's sitting around that table, when he just keeps reading his line, he's going, line, line, and then he freaks out after. When he asks for the line, he stutters. Line, what's the line again? Yeah, and then yeah. he, when he gets back into the role, he does he loses it. Interesting. So there's like little nuances that he's doing mm-hmm. all the time that I just thought it was really good, and he's funny. Yeah. Oh well, that scene when he can't remember the lines and he's like looking like a fucking baboon. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't get this line, I'm gonna shoot your brains out. Yeah. He's just looking at himself in the mirror and he's just throwing shit everywhere. I thought it was um, no, and. But he was like kind of still charming, but kind of a loser. Yeah. Like it was. I, I like that about sort of Rick Dalton's character. That he needs like a little eight-year-old precocious girl to like validate who he is. Yeah, that was some of the best acting I've ever seen. He just breaks down crying. crying. Rick felt <laughs> Rick fucking Dalton. Yeah, he's reading the book about the Bronco Buster who's now fading, who isn't as valuable anymore, and he's realizing it as he's telling it to her that, that it's his. It's, it's a reflection of his life. <laughs> I thought it was incredible. I thought it was okay. really good. Um, okay, let's wrap things up talking specifically about the man himself quentin sure. tarantino the one thing when we talk about um things that are tarantino-esque dialogue is a big one there's not a lot of like memorable dialogue in this nope. movie i would say no but to me this movie was an homage to capital a actors like mm-hmm. a-list actors you get long shots because he's probably like, you know what? I got Brad Pitt in a movie. I've got Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie. I got Sharon, or Sharon Tate. I've got Margot Robbie in a movie. I'm gonna just have hard shots on them. Mm-hmm. You get extended shots of just Brad Pitt's face, his beautiful face, driving <laughs> around L.A. Yeah. at sunset for sure. Kind of thing, wind right? Wind in his hair. Wind in his hair. You like we talk about the beefcake shot where it's like he takes his shirt off. He's in great shape and he's in his fifties. Yeah, <laughs> Leo DiCaprio. I you know I've I mentioned before on our on our podcast. He's always had kind of a weird body type where he's like tall and lanky but kind of has a paunch. He's in great shape in this movie. He even said that he trained. Yeah, as like an action star because he felt like he should look look the part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then we talk about Margot Robbie. Just looks absolutely gorgeous in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's just these shots of them, this extended shots of their yeah. faces. Well, the Playboy Mansion one, even before it gets to describing like the love triangle, it's just like this tracking shot of like her, yeah, dancing. Yeah, a lot of dancing going on in the film style. too. Yeah, yeah, just that sort of we're just loving life right yeah. now, right? We're smoking weed. We're but doing again, drugs. it's like you feel like it because it's built into this tragedy. For sure. Yeah, and that was a part of it. And yeah. but that's where you're talking about these these long shots of just them being. Who they are, and I thought that was a really. And you could tell it's just an ode to that, where yes. he's like, "I've got beautiful leading people in this movie." Yeah, you could argue that maybe they're 
not Margo so much, but Brad Pitt and Leo, like at one point their star is going to start to fade as well. And maybe it's like capturing them at what might be their apex or at least the pretty tail end of it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to capture them. I'm going to shoot them. And this is going to like live eternally. Basically Mm -hmm. we're going to remember the, I'll remember those shots. Like he makes LA, you know, there's no traffic. I think that's a kind of a joke too. Sure. Where there's some part where they're in downtown Hollywood or, yeah, downtown Hollywood. They leave dinner and they get back to their house in 15 minutes. Like they left around 10 p.m. and then it says 10:16 at the bottom. Yeah. Like I think that's a little inside LA joke sure. where it's like there's no chance you're getting anywhere <laughs> in less than an hour. Yeah, I would have never got there that quick. Even when when Cliff pulls onto the highway to get to the to the ranch, the Manson Ranch, there's just no cars on the highway and he's just <laughs> cruising through LA. Yeah, like I said, wind in his hair, listening to late 60s rock Mm -hmm. it was beautiful like it's it's a beautiful homage and this is like what tarantino's gotten better at Mm -hmm. say what you say about hateful eight that movie is shot incredibly well yeah and like i talked we talked about in that one and i mentioned he makes the mountain a character like the physical mountain a character not Mm -hmm. the actor from game of thrones yeah but the mountain that they're on (laughs) in hateful eight he makes la a character in this movie and he loves it like his he's from la shot of them you know, all the lights lighting up. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it just lights up random things yeah. that have no relevance. Taco Bell. Yeah. It's just, so it's like just lighting up to LA. And then it finally gets to the Mexican restaurants that they're both at. Yeah. And then he like draws a parallel, like, Oh, they were at El Coyote and they were at another one. And, yeah. But it really doesn't have anything to do with each other. He yeah. Just, it's just talking about LA. It's just talking about LA. Yeah, like right? I said, he's an LA kid grew up there. Mm-hmm. That's what he's obsessed with. That's what his first three movies are focused on different sections of the city, but the city itself, this one is just, and this one is the glitz and glamor. Yes. Those first three movies are sort of the underbelly. Like you're in Inglewood, you're mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, I don't think he ever goes to Compton or any place like that, but it's just no. more of like the fringes of LA Yeah, where this is, this is the Hollywood, Hollywood. Yeah. Rodeo drive, you know, uh, all, uh, the, the, the back lots mm-hmm. on, uh, Fox, I think is where she's shooting her yeah, exactly. CBS or and whatever it is. I always laugh like they're always, and there's always valets yes. taking them, their cars. Right? Yes. They never have to park anything themselves. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, so it's it, and it shows yeah the two sides of it when Cliff drops off, uh, Rick's like beautiful Cadillac coupe yeah, and he gets into his shitty little I don't even remember it's what like it the was blue car that yeah. he's got there yeah but when, he just rips out that was fun oh shout to, uh, shout out to my dad because uh, I try to do that as often as I can when uh, Rome Polanski and uh, T- Sharon Tate get into their car and they drive to the Playboy Mansion they get, they jump into an MG my dad had an MG ooh there you yeah, go growing up nice. So, yeah, I think it still breaks his heart to this day that he had to sell it. That's right. Um, but yeah, I thought as far it's it probably won't be as memorable for like lines as like sure. a Pulp Fiction is, yeah. or even in Glorious Bastards. And this is, is where I think you're talking like people are expecting a certain thing. But I think I that's why I really like this. Mm-hmm. I remember walking out of the Hateful Eight being like, I don't know if I really like that that much. Yeah. This, I walked down, I'm like, I was very satisfied with it. Sure. It's not like the same shock value you no. get from watching Inglorious Bastards a or Bill. a Django or a Pulp Fiction for that matter. But this mm-hmm. one is just satisfying. It was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. All the actors were on point. It was yeah. funny. Because nobody else could have made this film. I no. Think, right? Then you would not, not that, not, not to make it into a sense that you would care as much about it. Sure. Well, th- we talked about this on the Tarantino pod where it's, he's, he ha- just has the touch for doing these things, mm-hmm. right? Like he, the way he shoots things, the way he makes things look, the, you know, again, working uh, with the same cinematographer for the past four movies or whatever yeah. it is now, right? They they play off each other. They know how to shoot, how to make Brad Pitt look good driving around in a car. They know mm-hmm. how to make 
Yeah, Sharon I was gonna, Tate. There was a couple of times where I was thinking, oh, we're, we're definitely far away from a green screen. Because yeah. some of those shots in the cars are awesome. Yes. Because it, it's something that you wouldn't be able to do, mm-hmm. you know, even 20 years ago. And it was just so cool to watch where it was, you know, these ma- – like, clearly there's a car – Going right side by side with him when they're when he's ripping through the highway, yep, yep. you know, and I thought that was really really cool. Or even when they have sort of have like the the um, GoPro kind of thing, like on the outside of the car when him and uh, when Cliff and Pussycat are driving down the down the highway, yeah, and just that shot of them in the car mm-hmm. off the sort of side view mirror, yeah, or just like beautiful. from the back seat and she's laying and on one, top of them. One scene I really liked too was when the the Manson when the killers first get to the to the and I guess we can transition to that when they get to that final scene when they're on um, the the road and Cliff's walking Brandy, his dog, and then Pass the car them. passes them and it just stops on a dime right in front of the right in front of the frame. I just mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done too. For sure. So now we'll get to the final scene, I guess. Oh, I can't forget also that where Tarantino has a little shout out to Spaghetti Westerns. Rick is supposed to go make overseas to make a spaghetti western and he says the line was like nobody watches that shit. Those movies aren't any good. Which of course Sergio Leone is one of yeah. Tarantino's greatest influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you notice that. Well, I think he did. Yeah. One of the directors, the director named after all the Italian names from Inglorious Bastards. Yes, I think they. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Antonio Margariti. Yeah, because <laughs> um, he ends up doing like four spaghetti westerns for six months while yeah. he's there. The, yeah. I thought I thought that was a funny thing where the car is going over the the jump and it's just like points and arrows. Yeah, cliff. cliff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cliff's getting work. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we get to the final scene. They've all gone to dinner. Cliff and Rick are getting drunk because now Rick's married and he's going to have to cut Cliff loose and their friendship. You really do feel their friendship too. Cliff is really all he had. For sure. Rick had for a long time as his star was fading, but he never took advantage of him or mm-hmm. anything like that. No, they did a good job of that. That You think it's... And that I think that was where maybe the it felt like a genuine friendship. Yeah, where the ranch scene too would have played in a different movie. They would be like, they would have built up that like, oh, this guy gets taken advantage of by Rick, and right. then all of a sudden he gets axed, but that doesn't quite happen, right? right? It, it is like, no, 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 there's a good friendship, and then he's kind of there because he's bored, almost like we were mentioning, and then it subverts all your expectations about what's going to happen in that scene. But there's even sort of the parallel too, where he's worried that all these hippies are taking advantage of George of, of George where yeah. it, you know, is Rick taking advantage of cliff, but mm-hmm. you never really get you that sense. You don't get that sense. No. Cause he's sad to let him go. Yeah. Right. So when he, when he says we have to stop doing, it, I can't afford you anymore. He's been paying him mm-hmm. in some capacity. So, um, so yeah, we get to the final scene and we get the Kurt, the, uh, Kurt Russell voiceover. He's narrating the whole thing. Um, Rick, and Cliff get back. Cliff finally decides to smoke his uh, lace or acid lace cigarette. Goes takes Brandy for a walk. Rick, uh, uh, very drunk Rick, decides to make a, a pitcher full of frozen margaritas or something like that. Yeah. And then yeah, the Manson killers show up in this some shitty beat down car. Rick loses his shit. Goes out there with his just pitcher full of margarita <laughs> in his just, like robe and then we just get the full dressing down of, of hippies you dirty fucking hippies get out of here and <laughs> and then um and he was hilarious in that scene too he's like yeah you know turn this asshole around this mechanical asshole around and get out of here kind of thing and yeah <laughs> yeah it was again tension there one tex has his gun under the dashboard you think maybe he's gonna just pop rick right there but he doesn't and then all of a sudden they're like oh my god that was 
that was Rick Dalton. Like, yeah. <laughs> so even this whole time it's building up that Rick's this loser who nobody mm-hmm. cares about anymore. Like you get these sort of hints everywhere around that. He's still big to some people. He yeah. still means something to some people. And then we get the whole, well, they, we grew up watching violence. So let's kill all the people, mm-hmm. all the piggies. But who, that was, the, but that was funny. That was a, a funny thing too, is that they go to the wrong house. Yes. <laughs> right. Cause they are trying to go to like, whatever they said, Terry's house. No, I think, but I, I think they do. They do mean to go into that house first because that's where they have the whole conversation. Like, we got to oh, kill the people because yeah. like, Rick. The original played. reason why they're there is to not go yes. into that house. Yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. And then Rick like diverts the attention onto them. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Sorry. And then that—that's a f- funny scene when, when, uh, <laughs> when Rick's like, oh, "I know you. Yeah. I know all of you. Yeah. How can I forget that hair? Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah can't it, forget that hair because the you Dakota know, Fanning still getting work." Which was, that was actually a funny, I didn't even really pick up on it right away that that yeah. was the Kona Fanning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she just, she doesn't, does she have red hair? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but she looks older. For Squeaky, sure. who of course is one of the more infamous Manson killers. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like in Glorious Bastards, we get a little bit of a reverse history here sure. where they go into the house and Cliff basically, Cliff and Brandy just... Brandy, his dog. Fuck him up. <laughs> yeah. He's got his, his dog is well trained. Yep. And it just uh, gives a little... And it just takes the couple killers to town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's high, so he's trying to figure yeah, out his he's shit. He's laughing. Yeah. And... <laughs> well, he points the he yeah. points a finger gun at the guy who's got the gun. Are you real? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm as real devil. as a donut. Or I'm as real as a donut. And I'm he the starts devil to laugh. here to do devil's work. work. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take him seriously. No. But then, yeah, when he stops the knife, and then this is where. So this is the sort of two, three minutes. We'll say maybe. Yeah. Of, just Tarantino violence. violence. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, just, he's stomping in heads. But again, even like, even with Inglorious Bastards where, uh, where Burkhouse or Bur, uh, the bear Jews, like beating the, the first, um, Nazis head in with the baseball bat. Like you can tell it's a dummy. Yes. Like when he's smashing her face into like every bit <laughs> of the house, like it's so like, it's fake. Like yeah. you can tell it's so fake, but it's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, yeah. The can can at the one, woman's yeah. face was funny and again this is him basically you know in inglorious bastards he finally gets a chance to like do a lot of shitty things to who he believes are shitty people which are the nazis yeah in Django, do a lot of shitty things to pe- people he believes who are shitty people which are slave owners mm-hmm. and this one he's like i'm you know i want to do shitty things and basically humiliate some really evil people who were the manson killers the manson family there's a lot of issues where, with especially with Django and even maybe even um, Inglorious Bastards, where does Tarantino, does Quentin Tarantino, a white man, deserve to tell this story? Mm-hmm. Is he the man to tell the story about slavery, about um, about uh, the Holocaust? Yeah, you know, it's, I feel like if anything, this is a story that he can tell because it's everything that he loves, and you know, mm-hmm. Hollywood and. Like we said, and being LA. on a ranch, even yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of elements that he likes about film that. He could weave into a story. And then at the end, when, like we said, Rick's standing on the out on the street, Cliff's been taken to the hospital. He does not die again. Unexpected. Yeah. Neither of them die. No one, none of the quote unquote good people die. Yeah. Um, and they're talking when about. When he takes out the flamethrower, sorry, quickly. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> and as soon as I saw it, like, I don't know if you heard me laugh, but I, as soon as I saw him walking out, I kind of saw him with the backpack. I'm like, oh, fuck. That's, the, that's that flamethrower. <laughs> Um, I thought that was a funny yeah. scene because he's the, just like hammer drunk and he's just yeah. got this flamethrower and he's scared shitless of it. Yeah, but then he finally gets to use it. Yeah, 
And then that's the first conversation he has. Yeah, I got a flamethrower. And the guy's like, oh, from that movie, 14, Fistful uh, of 14. 14 fifths of McCleary or whatever. something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, shit, I got it in my garage or my shop. So, <laughs> but, no, but, so I was going to say there's two things that's really funny about that very last scene is that <laughs> the whole like terror of the neighborhood wasn't like they were murderers or like, it's like fucking hippies broke into my <laughs> house and it's just hip like it's this whole idea of like hippies like can you believe these hippies broke into my house and and then Sharon comes in on the intercom like oh yeah a bunch of hippies broke into his house oh my god that's that's terrifying like there's like the, like the hippies are like the blight on Hollywood kind yeah. of thing right oh yeah they get the <laughs> which again it's making fun of something that was a very tragic event yeah but I don't know I I might feel differently after I read some articles on Vulture or something like that. But sure. at the moment, it feels like it was handled pretty well. Mm-hmm. We get a pretty happy ending. And then, yeah, the, again, this is like the whole thing where at the very start when Polanski, when he sees t- Sharon Tate and Polanski, he's like, man, Roman Polanski's living next to me. He's like, fuck, man, here I am trying to tr- trying hard to get a movie. And like, Polanski's right there. Like, who knows? I might get something. And then you find out at the end. Jay kept kept saying to Sharon, like, "Oh man, yeah, Rick Dalton's living next to you. Like, you lived to you lived next to Rick Dalton, and mm-hmm. you get that whole thing where it comes back where he feels validated again. Where yes. these people do know who he is. He is he is, yeah. he, he is meaningful still in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that I think that's why I kind of thought it was an interesting finish. That mm-hmm. that's I think that's points back to what you were talking about, mm-hmm. sort of the arc of the story itself. Yeah. Is that you know, here it is about not reaching your potential and trying to stay." stay relevant, stay what you had before. And yeah. then by the end, you're right. It kind of comes back around to that point yeah. where he's like, yeah, I, you know, Oh shit. They know who I am. Sharon Tate knows who I am. Yeah. You know, and she embraces him like she knows who he is. And yeah, yeah I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting way to end. And there was like sure. a part of me, there was like, there's going to be another wave of yeah. maybe an, another car full of Manson of the man's family show up. And we see all of them going to the Polanski house and they go in behind them. And then it's sort of, and then it, that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, well, history still happens the way we mentioned, but yeah. just as a little interlude I made up. But no, we just get the title card once upon a time in Hollywood and that's it. And yeah, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't know where I have to think about it a little bit more where mm-hmm. it ranks, but it, it's, it was a fantastic movie. I thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, Super well acted, beautifully shot. That's the thing that sticks with me the most. It's just it, it the beautiful. shots. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was bright and vibrant. It was yeah. something that, yeah, maybe that's... And the violence, it was fast, so it still felt Tarantino, but it wasn't over the top like it's been in, before. And even where there were some shootouts, like you knew it was a movie set, so it was So there was actually isn't like a lot of blood. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. There was he he handled it really well. Like I said, it was kind of this look inside the studio of this behind. It's like you have the lens behind the scenes of what sort of maybe what the golden age of Hollywood, what Hollywood became. And so I thought it was that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was just. You're right. Beautiful actors, beautiful place. Pan Am. He mentions like Pan Am specifically a couple times. You know, they're partying a lot. Like I just, I thought it was really cool. It had that vibe through the whole time, right? It's just these guys living in this like party city, trying to make you know their lives work basically. Mm -hmm. So and then Cliff was funny because yeah, Cliff was on the fringes himself almost. Like he's in just a trailer, living in a trailer, and then Rick's in this like he's at the bar with Rick. But you know, when Rick goes to take the meeting, he just stays at the bar drinking his Bloody Marys kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well. I would say that's uh, a, each give a give it a thumbs up as opposed oh, yeah. to the last one, which is a v- massive thumbs down. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I forgot we saw the Lion King almost already. Yeah, I, man, I wish I could forget too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this, we'll, we'll we'll put this one up, and then uh, we'll be back regularly on Friday. Uh, this week we're doing another music one. We're going to do Our Lady Peace. Um, until then, 
Thank you for joining us, Neil. Nothing. All right. Um, oh, I should mention this also. F- I, I keep meaning, I meant to bring it up in the Tarantino one. I meant to bring it up a couple of times, but the first chapter of Inglorious Bastards is called Once Upon a Time in Nazi Occupied France. So again, he's sort of been playing with this whole sure. Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in America, again, a huge influence. Once Upon influence. a Time in the West is another one. Yeah, that- Once Upon a Time in America, I think was really where this influence comes from, mm-hmm. right? Where that, that epic three hours telling of, um, of, where he gets a big of it, a lot, ugh, where he gets a lot of his influence. So mm-hmm. he's, it, you can tell it's something that's been worked around a lot here. So, um, yeah, it's well. Sergio uh, Leone had a movie, yeah, Once yeah. Upon a Time in the West as yeah. well. So yeah. I think that's for sure. So an ode to that as well. So he says it might be his last movie. Uh, he's he always said he'd do ten. This is his ninth. He says he might not have another one in him as a full on writer and director, but. I'm going to guess, based on box office so far, far that it's going to be very hard for him to turn down uh, an offer from a studio because I think this movie is going to make quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now we'll sign off. Neil? Nothing. All right. Thanks, guys.